brought to you by Wild Foods Co. Jade, I know you use the Wild Foods Master Blend every morning. Tell me why. Yes, it's got five of the most important mushroom powders. Reishi, which helps your body deal with stress by normalizing various processes. And then it's also got Shaga, which is a ton of antioxidants, turkey tail for your immune system, and then lion's mane for anti-inflammatory properties, and then cordyceps, which is an adaptogenic, I always struggle with that word, (laughs) adaptogenic herb in Chinese medicine. And something I really, really love also is that they get these mushrooms from small farms. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, some of the words, uh, these mushrooms names are tougher to to take. Um, And because we know our health conscious magic mob is going to be so excited by this, Wild Foods is offering the Magic Hour listeners 12% off your entire order. Yep, 12% off your entire order. So to sign up, go to wildfoods.co slash discount slash magic hour. That's magic with a J. Again, go to wildfoods.co slash discount slash magic hour to get your discount. Hello and welcome, boys and babes, to the Magic Hour podcast, a place where we navigate through life's peaks and valleys with all the vulnerability and shamelessness we can muster. With the help of world-class guests from all walks of life, we uncover new truths and valuable tools for manifesting our highest potential. I'm your host, Mercedes Terrell, along with my partner in shine, Jade Bryce. Mm -hmm. Hey, you guys. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I do soul healing sessions and how passionate I am about this work. But to be honest, I wouldn't even know about this work and the power of it if it weren't for the man that we're having on today. He is the only shaman besides his wife, who we had on last week, who I've gone to for healings, and I trust him to the core of my being. Without any medicine or substance in my system, when he performs healings on me through his prayers and songs and shamanic tools, I completely transcend to another place in time. He was also the first person I ever saw an aura on. When I started seeing them on other people and seeing energies and animal allies, I honestly thought something was maybe wrong with my retina or my brain, and I went to him first. He calmed my fears by encouraging me and letting me know that these were psychic abilities and referred me to the school he attended, Boulder Psychic Institute. This drastically changed my life because it raised my consciousness and also opened up my abilities even more. When that happens, the things that no longer serve you start to also get peeled away. So him introducing me, him being in my life and introducing me to the school, it completely changed my life forever. And this man has seen me sob. He's seen me in my darkest and lightest moments. He's worked with me on past lives, on healing trauma, ancestral work, taught me about the power of chanting, and has helped remove my fear around entities. I believe I told the story on here before about how when I was living in a home that had some foreign energy in it, I would wake up to feeling something aggressively hitting my bed or um, sometimes someone sitting next to me. Even though I couldn't see them, I could feel them. Flashing lights coming from my bathroom and just you get the point, much, much, um, you know, spiritual activity in this home. He was one of the few people though, that I was comfortable telling this to. And when he came to my home without me even telling him where the activity was happening, he walked in and out of my bathroom a few times and said that there was a portal there that was allowing the energy to come in and out of it. And that was exactly where I was seeing the lights and feeling the energy. 
some very traumatic stuff happened in that bathroom that he also didn't know about. And he said that he felt that something had happened in there that had caused this portal to open up. So he is very connected to spirit and to source, and he uses it to help heal others and better align them on their path. I know that he would never claim that this is him because he is a true healer and shaman, and he knows that he is simply being emptied out and used as a tool by God or by source. I'm so thankful that I've been able to learn this mindset from him and to be able to use this as a model for what I want to do in the world. Super, super thankful. Yeah. And that story you told, I think, on one of our very first episodes, Mm -hmm. which was, I think, I want to say it's like the beginning of when we started stepping into what our listeners, you know, might think of as the woo and like Mm -hmm. introducing this psychic ability that you had. So it's so cool that we're here now into the podcast over a year and has, you know, have watched you transform that into what it is today for you. And our listeners have been kind of on that journey Mm -hmm. um, with us, but it's pretty amazing that our guest and his wife provide such a a safe uh, container for healing Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. And, um, this whole idea of wellness and shamanism has been, I think, exploited so much, especially like today, you know, it's Mm -hmm. getting trendy and all that. And so uh, I've heard tons of horror stories that have happened in this work. Um, And I know, Jade, you've always been overwhelmed with joy and anticipation and openness and surrender when you're going to work with them. So um, that really shows that they provide a safe space where you're able to trust and be vulnerable. So I'm excited to get to know him today and see what comes up. Yes. All right. So without further ado, let me introduce a man who I've referred to as my shaman for almost four years. He is a shamanic healing practitioner, yoga instructor, and spiritual coach, utilizing various shamanic tools and techniques His clients have a sacred and transformative environment conducive for release, balance, and healing. With the Power Path School of Shamanism, he has completed the two-year intensive study program, practitioner training, and advanced practitioner training. Deva is also a student of Quero philosophy and Andean wisdom, is an Austin-based representative for Ani Global. Ani Global. (laughs) He said it. (laughs) (laughs) Under the mentorship of author and founder J.E. Santiago Williams. Deva is a certified kundalini and hatha yoga instructor that has been teaching for over 17 years. Additionally, he has been immersed in the study of intuitive reading and healing through the Boulder Psychic Institute for over eight years. Deva brings over a decade of shamanic experience to people from all walks of life through his sessions, groups, house cleanings, rite of passage ceremonies, and intuitive consultations. His wisdom, healings, and example have forever changed my life, and I know that anyone that listens today will feel his effect. One of the most gentlest, patient, truth seekers I know who truly offers his life to the benefit of others. Please welcome Deva Powell to the Magic Hour. <laughs> Yay! Thanks Hello. for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm very honored. <laughs> yes, um, we are excited to be doing this with you. And like we mentioned last week, um, we had your wife on and we talked a lot about what it is to be a shaman and to step into your inner shaman. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe we can go a little step further today and talk about what shamanic healing is and as well as shamanic medicine. Mm-hmm. So can you start there with yeah, us? Yeah, I would love to. Um, they're kind of both intricately related. Um, but a shamanic healing is basically, it's an earth-based spirituality. So um, it's something that um, one is kind of more steeped in being mm-hmm. embodied. So it's not all about uh, transcending or leaving the body or leaving this life. And it's a lot about uh, utilizing the resources that you have around you. Um, So 
you know, innately the, the Shipibo people in the Amazon, they would say that every person has a, a song that they're, our essential blueprint is a song. Our okay. soul is a song. Yeah. Is this and, what they call an ikaros? Well, the ikaros are songs okay. that, that are sung to uh, bring our initial song, our soul song, uh-huh. into greater harmony, greater balance, okay. to vivify it, to bring it into more radiance. Mm. Um, so that's just uh, one tradition's example. But, you know, that song can become clouded over. It can become frayed, just like a tapestry. And... Um, so a shamanic healing is, is a way of just bringing us back into balance, back into wholeness, um, and particularly back into kind of connection with uh, these larger bodies of consciousness, like the earth, okay. um, being at one with the earth, um, being at one with our community, being at one with the, the cycles of nature. Mm. And, um, and so that, that initial essence that we have, or that, that song that is our soul, um, that is our medicine, you know? Mm. And, um, ideally, um, that medicine is in full bloom mm. and it's blossomed and it just is naturally outpouring to those around us. Um, you know, our society is such that uh, we're playing a, a game of concealment and forgetfulness mm-hmm. and, uh, and there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of uh, cultural trauma and ancestral trauma that has made us forget who we are um, and forget our connection to the earth. Mm. And, and in particular, shamanism has a big component around the feminine, the divine feminine, the goddess. Um, and so uh, reconnecting to that medicine uh, in our society requires us to um, really, you know, break through the matrix and do something completely and sometimes radically different. Mm. Um, so the medicine is, is an outpouring of your own innate talent. Okay. Um, and everyone has different kinds of talents, proclivities, uh, inner resources. And um, through a shamanic practice, um, and through utilizing some tools uh, over time, um, we can allow that medicine to come more and more to the forefront of our, our awareness and uh, believe in it and utilize it and then <coughs> share it, you know, pollinate with it. Um, and my business is called Broadcast Souls. So it's like broadcasting, pollinating out that initial light within mm, okay. um, and expanding the container to be able to hold more of that because yeah. it's really infinite. Yeah. So the medicine is, is infinite. Um, and the way that one is healed is in a session per se, um, one validating that within a person, seeing right. it beyond all the other crud, and then um, clearing out and enhancing that so that someone's basically shining. Yeah, that um, th- that's beautiful. And I'm sure when you're doing the work, it's very beautiful to be able to be a part of it and watch it happen and unfold. Um, it brought up while you were talking about the way we... <coughs> The, the I guess the way that shamanism right now might be like a trendy word, you mm-hmm. know, um, or using medicines might be a trendy word even, or shamanic medicine specifically. But I think in this culture, we have this idea that we have to push to get to, um, push to get to some result. Like we have to push to get to, to this level of alignment or this level of healing when it's a matter of like, if you're going to embody something, it has to be integrated at its own pace essentially. So, you know, I feel like, I don't know why that came up for me when you were talking about, um, the ideas around shamanic healing, but it feels like 
we want to like have this quick pill or this quick, uh, you know, connection to the other side or whatever mm-hmm. we think is on the other side. But it really is just a matter of allowing that to kind of come into our lives and then sitting with it and being mindful and bringing ourselves back to our soul, like you're talking about. And then once you're there, that allows that broadcast to begin to happen. Mm-hmm. Am yeah. I I'm absorbing? With that right? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's, um, one of my teachers would say, um, you know, follow the way of nature. Mm-hmm. So nature is very organic and there's an innate intelligence, you know, embedded in it. And, and you're right, you know, in our culture, we have a lot of impatience, a lot yeah. of, uh, you know, what some traditions have called like the hurry up sickness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like this, it's, it's innately a I fear of running Me out of too. time. Yeah, I do as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, this fear of running out of time. Yeah. And so you try to get somewhere faster uh, with haste, sometimes taking shortcuts um, or trying to bend the rules in order to attain something. Um, ironically, that takes you out of the present moment, yeah. which is where enlightenment happens. It's right. just a moment in time. It's not something that happens in time. It's a moment right. of presence where time dissolves. Um, so yeah, that's that a, for sure. And the enjoyment of life does, I feel like happen when you're present, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise you're just here or there you're not, or I should say, you're over there or over there. You're not right here. Um, so what originally led you to this work? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I grew up uh, in a military household. My mm. dad was a drill sergeant. And uh, I always thought I would join the military and follow in his footsteps. And um, and I've always been kind of more on the, uh, when I was much younger, um, on the agnostic slash atheist mm. side. Like, I always wanted an experience, something beyond myself or deeper yeah. that, would allow me to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that something existed. I've never just taken things on blind faith. Um, But that never happened, you know, until 2000, um, I had a, an experience and, you know, uh, a Sanskrit term for the experience that I didn't learn about until much, much later is called Shaktipad. Mm. Uh, Shakti is uh, known as power. um, Also known as the God, kind of the goddess. Um, And pod is uh, just kind of like a, it's basically a lightning bolt or a, a, a deep shock of awakening, mm. of awakening one's inner power. So I had basically had a, a Kundalini awakening in okay. 2000. And uh, it was around summer solstice. You know, going up to that, I, I was in a really dark place. I was a big alcoholic. Um, I ruptured my appendix. My dad was dying of cancer. And, um, yeah, it just felt like life was pretty meaningless. And um, so, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a gigantic story. But um, basically, I died. Mm. And... Uh, went into the void and was pollinated by this goddess singing and a, a bunch of allies and energies like a choir of angels and whales toning and wow and uh and then there was this lightning bolt of from my first chakra to my crown chakra of enlightenment and mm-hmm. I, I woke back up in my body and um you know nothing's ever been the same since it was a prime event in my life um i didn't have context for that i didn't even know i was spiritual yeah. even after that uh, it kind of settled in, but I didn't have any way to anchor that in. And I still had the same community, the same friends. So it wasn't until a year and a half later that some really deep synchronicities came into play that led me to find a book that had the word Kundalini that mm. led me to find Kundalini Yoga, which then after my second class just opened up a bunch of euphoria and, yeah. and ecstasy, just clean. Um, so that led me to yoga, which led me to Austin, mm-hmm. uh, which led me to meeting my wife, who mm-hmm. you guys had on last week, who introduced me to our shamanic teachers. Okay. And I just started working with them in 2003. 
So initially it was, um, it's just an act of grace. You know? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's, uh, you know, you hear so many people have some thing that happens that's this awakening and they can describe it only in hindsight. You know, of course, when you're, when something is happening like that, it usually feels kind of painful or kind of, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of feeling. There's a lot of mm-hmm. feeling around it, whatever emotion those are for you. But um, it's cool to know that it's it's an experience that I think that like uh, the same thing. Um, I feel like I think about that a lot. Like we want this black and white idea of faith. We want to know that, that beyond any doubt, you know, there is this thing that's going to be our guiding star. It's going to be, you know, something we can always turn to. Um, and a lot of people find that in religion, you know, different types of religions. Um, but the fact that we want that is, I think, so human, mm-hmm. wanting things to be black and white. But then the other piece of being human is that we're able to go, we might not get that ever, and we still have to wake up every day and live our life, and mm-hmm. maybe we won't feel like there's purpose tomorrow. You know, We won't feel like getting up out of bed tomorrow, but we still do it. And I think that's, you know, on the show, we talk about standing in the gray or being uncomfortable in that type of chaotic mm-hmm. thought. Mm-hmm. of not having it black and white, you know? And I think um, that's just, that is the human experience right there, like in a nutshell, is like figuring out how to navigate through everything not being black and white and everything not being able to be controlled by you, you know? Um, and and when what we you, do in that moment when we have that like rebirth, you know, because it can feel like exactly. death, like you said. And we can go one way or the other with it too. Yeah. And it sounds like when you're talking about that awakening, it was like you went from wanting things to be black and white to having something that felt like a knowing. So it felt black and white, but the knowing was very much about being able to stand in the chaos of there is no knowing. I don't, you know, like I, I'm just here to learn and become. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just thought that was beautiful that, that you um, are able to even see that that's a thing that happened and now you can articulate it. And it's been such an amazing part of your story and um, brought you to here to talking to us today and you becoming this amazing shaman who's helped so many. So cool. Thank you for that story. Um, I wanted to ask you when it comes to shamanic tools, how we can use those in our daily practice in our daily life. Mm -hmm. Well, um, just like any tool, whether you're a carpenter or an engineer with a computer, um, you know, practice is everything. The more you practice, the more proficient you get, the more articulate you get. And there's different tools, shamanically speaking, for different moments of the day, mm. different kind of emotional um, turmoil, perhaps, um, different things that you wish to manifest. And um, knowing not only a proficiency with a not a huge array of tools because you don't want to spread yourself yourself. too thin, Mm -hmm. um, but enough so that you can apply the right tool in the right situation. So, um, you know, there's more classical, what, you know, anthropologists would call in their texts, you know, shamanic paraphernalia, which is like the tools, the actual tools of shamanism. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's, there's more, um, unseen tools that one can utilize and become, uh, steeped in in order to help you like you were saying earlier navigate this playground of life which yeah. is full of suffering and full of triumph and you know there's no guarantee right. of anything um, and that's what makes it somewhat exciting somewhat daunting um it's just the big unknown yeah um 
So having, having a toolbox, which also is another word for, uh, and yogically they call it sadhana, it's a daily practice, um, that you get, um, it's like sharpening your pencil, like an old school pencil. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah. He actually had pencils and he kind of sharpened <laughs> yeah. it. Um, you know, I work a lot with, uh, daily. I work with tobacco. I have a big, strong relationship with tobacco and in particular Amazonian tobacco, cause it's just the strongest tobacco on the planet okay. pharmacologically, but also on its spirit level. Mm. Um, so every day I walk my labyrinth. I built a labyrinth in my backyard, which is kind of like a more sophisticated, complex, glorified medicine wheel. Okay. So it's a, a intentional container that mm-hmm. one creates um, to build power, to build prayer, to invest in that then gives back to. Mm. So it's kind of like a way of tapping into the earth and Pachamama. And, and then the more you walk it, the more you work with it, mm. um, you, you slip into that state of consciousness and it's easier to meditate or it's easier to pray or it's easier mm. to receive answers. So that's a major tool that I work with. Uh, for years I worked with the medicine wheel and then, you know, I got the slap around from spirit. Like you don't need a medicine wheel. You need a labyrinth and I have the backyard for it. So I go out there daily and either uh, meditate, pray, but I also work with tobacco quite a bit. Okay. Um, as a uh, conduit, you know, these tools are just conduits. It's easy to, uh, you don't want to give your authority over to a feather or to some tobacco or to a technique. Um, there, there are ways of uh, focusing intent through the heart and through spirit in order to make things happen. Um, but tobacco is a premier ally of mm. mine and shamanism is all about uh, cultivating allies with mm. the natural world, within okay. yourself, with your ancestors, the stronger that relationship is, the more when times get tough and you ask that ally to help you, or you utilize that tool and you have that kind of investment in it. Mm-hmm. Um, not only does it help immediately, but it's, uh, the power behind it is more proficient yeah. so that you're, you just don't feel so alone in those times when you feel doubt or, you know, it doesn't take but a, a split second for something to come out of left field, a shock. Yeah. Um, and for, you know, some kind of intense crippling self-deprecation or um, dark night of the soul to mm. take over your life or a loss of a loved one, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, having a well-rounded toolbox and having, you know, an investment in the relationship with the spirit behind the symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, comes in quite handy, not only in those beautiful times of life or in those neutral times of life, but especially in those hard times where we need it the most. So I yeah. don't, I don't know if that uh, explains exactly what you're looking for. For sure, the tools I'm looking for, whatever you want to give us okay. today, David. <laughs> sure. Um, the, those tools, though, to my, you know, the way I'm trying to conceptualize that work, I guess, is uh, to go back to that idea of black and white mind and our our human brain. You know, if we're just talking about the brain is speaking and thinking in this black and white idea always. And it sounds like what you're saying is that shamanic tools give you a way to navigate through to basically create some black and white out of the gray, like to do something where you can feel like, okay, I have, I'm an, I'm able to label this, you know, issue I'm having in my life so that I can see it clearly and work through it instead of it just being chaotic. And this tool allows me to get closer to doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that concept's too, too far out there, but it's, you know, taking, um, wh- the way that our human brains want to work as black and white construct, yes or no, you know, everything is one or the other. And because that's not how life is, these tools maybe get us closer to, um, 
navigating the gray area with a little more grace and ease. Yeah. 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 And it helps us to, um, they help us to mature. Okay. So we have a greater level of sophistication with which to perceive. Uh, mm. Um, it's almost like when I was, um, in South America once they were talking about the, uh, the rainbow, a rainbow appeared mm-hmm. and it was very auspicious, but the indigenous were like, Ooh, a little trepidatious. Oh. Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, why is that? And they translated and it's like, well, rainbow medicine is strong medicine. It's mm. the power of creativity. Mm. So it has like the, the, uh, the whole spectrum of emotion, the okay. whole spectrum of thought. And, uh, and with that kind of creativity and that kind of sophistication and maturity can come chaos because yeah. we're forced to change uh, mm. continuously. I'm always changing my beliefs and perceptions For based sure. upon what's happening. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what a lot of people don't understand is that chaos can be an, an initiation. It's an initiation into um, kind of a higher order of, of knowing. And so chaos is often just the... Uh, the surface of a higher intelligence coming in to shift our neurology, to shift the way we perceive in the moment, our yeah. minds, because their condition can't grok that. So it, all it knows is what it knows. And right. so it just turns it into confusion, overwhelm. You're in the void. It's chaotic, scary, scary. Yeah. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a higher intelligence behind it. Right. If you can don't abort the there. process. If <laughs> yeah. you trust and go through the birth canal and allow yourself to yeah. move through it. And a lot of people in our society um, abort it you right. know, with uh, pharmaceuticals or alcohol sure. or anything. Mask it it can be anything. It. Yeah. It can be excessive yoga, you know, it can be anything. So, um, yeah, there's a, a certain sophistication that comes as one progresses along the path yeah. through uh, working with some of these tools. Yeah, that's very helpful. At least that's my experience mm-hmm. and what I've seen in, in my clients and others. And I know like Sage and Palo Santo are super um, popular and trendy as mm-hmm. well right now. Um, and crystals, people are really getting into crystals as well. But I really love the labyrinth um, because for me, when I'm walking it, I, dis- I get discombobulated. Like I'm not mm-hmm. really sure how I ended up mm-hmm. over here especially if someone else is walking it, I'm like, they were just right by me. How are they over there? And it just kind of reminds me of life and how um, we get discombobulated emotionally and spiritually sometimes of thinking like, well, I thought I was supposed to be over there by now. Mm. And do I like how much longer till I'm in the middle? And <laughs> it just kind of reminds you to just keep walking mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. keep following, you know, the path and know that you're on um, this path for a reason. Um, and then the, um, the drum and the rattle and the chime, I always feel so much in my heart, um, especially with the drum, like how it, um, I think it's supposed to, not supposed to, but how it kind of like matches your heartbeat in a way. And I kind of feel like an opening too. So, um, and then I know with you, sometimes you'll use feathers. And for me, when you're using the feathers, I, there's like, sometimes I've seen, um, like a vulture, like eating death off of me, mm-hmm. you know? So it's so interesting how, um, the tools can be used, um, and how for different people, they experience different things. So can you describe what, I mean, the most basic of this for our listeners of like what a medicine wheel is, mm-hmm. what a labyrinth is from a basic standpoint? Mm-hmm. Well, it, a very simple medicine wheel can and be just be like, maybe eight rocks, Okay. four rocks in the cardinal directions and then in the cross quarter direction. So um, you always want to orient it east, south, west, north. Um, and it is, it's just a symbol, you know, circle is a very universal symbol mm-hmm. of life. Um, it's, it's where you kind of can come in 
and and become more in tune with the cycles so you know you can face the east and do some prayers to the east and do that to the south and you know we're constantly through the breath every moment through the day through the month mm-hmm. and a lunar cycle through the year and greater cycles in our lives moving through like beginnings and sustenance and decay and <coughs> renewal and you know if we can be in balance with that through a medicine wheel it is something that just carries over into the rest of the day but in essence very simply it's it's just like you make some you make a circle with rocks or you build a labyrinth with some rocks and um it's it's a container for intention so okay. you just kind of get clear present you intend something like this morning i walked my labyrinth my intention was mm-hmm. uh, not only with the healings and house clearings and uh, this interview um it was to as i walked into the center of the labyrinth to just release mm-hmm. any uh any egoic needs Mm -hmm. to be this or to that or to just allow spirit to flow through me um as i walked to the middle i did some prayers and uh, worked with some power objects that are there stored in the labyrinth or it could be stored in the middle of the medicine wheel okay um but basically it's like a refuge yeah it's a place that you can go to um if you have a backyard or you can just go out in nature and build your own somewhere Mm -hmm. that's what i did for years when i was in an apartment and it's a it's a refuge where you know it seems simple but if you work with it with intention and and meditate pray or use some tools there you know pepper it with crystals tobacco offerings um it creates this protection that allows life to just be on the outside there Mm -hmm. and allows you to kind of go into the the inner dimensions of your own being and your heart and that's where all the answers that we're really seeking are it's it's kind of within so it's a you know there's a whole kind of talk around shamanism and containers like what is a container right like what is a boundary um you know what does that mean and uh a medicine wheel my labyrinth in particular i was getting really sensitive many many years ago and and with the influx here in austin texas of all the construction and people coming in didn't know if i could live in it anymore Mm -hmm. it was just too much and so i built my labyrinth and and there's just like a certain containment around my home it allows me to be in the city, to be of service in the city, but also to have a refuge mm. where there's more calmness, more peace, more tranquility, yeah. or whatever you intend for it to be. So some of that comes back to just trusting your experiences with your tools and your experiences with life and, and uh, those rites of passage that you go through and coming out of that wiser so that when you invest in certain yeah. things, certain relationships, you trust that they're there. And that comes with time. Um, but... That's kind of a, a general overview yeah. of yeah. some somewhat of what a medicine wheel can do for you. It interests me just because I think I've spent a lot of my life, um, uh, I want to say like rejecting or uh, uh, discounting uh, maybe other people's ways of, of uh, getting to be the best person they could be, you know, mm. getting to mature and to create a better, more peaceful inner life for themselves and maybe even outer life. Cause that usually is residual to that. Um, and so any ways that we've learned, especially on this show, you know, interviewing s- different people from all walks of life, having, di- they all have different philosophies of how to get there. I think it's just fascinating. And it's what I am most excited about, um, regarding was what this show has brought to my life is an opening to those tools and those experiences and philosophies that people we get to talk to like yourself, um, say, Hey, this really works for me. And this is really, um, something that's improved my life. 
-hmm. and I'm, you know, opening to that being a possibility for me. I think that opening is something that I hope our listening audience can step into with us. So that's, yeah. yeah. You also work with the equinoxes and the solstices, um, in various cycles of nature and not many people are aware of that type of work either. Mm -hmm. Um, can you explain what those are and how we can work with those as well? Yeah. Well, um, touched a little bit on that with the medicine wheel. Mm -hmm. Um, but those are just times since time memorial. You know, if you go back long enough in many traditions, those are, are times when, uh, people, you know, they didn't have TV, they didn't have cell mm -hmm. phones. So, you know, they worked with a fire, perhaps that was their TV mm. or they saw the stars and the constellations. There wasn't light pollution. Yeah. So, so they would see where the sun would rise at certain times of year, where it would stand still and be st stuck, which is what solstice means in Latin. Mm. It's the, the mm. sun stands still. And also notice those times of year where like the day and night were kind of equal of duration, which is equinox. Okay. Equal. So, um, you know, this is a little discussion about. Uh, containers again um, uh, shamanism um, in particular kind of earth-based spirituality indigenous wisdom realizes that uh, you know where a warm front and a cold front come together creates friction creates a storm mm. there's some innate power there for change and for transformation that a shamanic practitioner or a person who's just wise enough can tap into and utilize for their own life mm. um, same thing where like a mountain meets the sky there's a, an edge there mm -hmm. same thing with um the ocean and the beach right. you want to keep your wits about you because you never know right um similarly you know the equinoxes solstices new and full moons um especially when there's eclipses yeah. these are uh, transition points between okay. one season and another um and anytime you go from like one season to another and it might be going from being a child into being kind of a, a young adult through puberty or getting married mm -hmm. there is uh, a little rite of passage and there's power available there. So where there's power, shamanically speaking, and it's one reason why I like shamanism, because they don't kind of, um, they don't shoot, you know, what, you know, becoming powerful under the rug. There's so uh -huh. many religions and traditions where it's like becoming wise, mm -hmm. becoming connected and loving and peaceful, um, but a little bit of fear around yeah. your innate ability or your mm -hmm. power to make things happen. And for good reason, people abuse it. Mm -hmm. um, but power to make things happen combined with kind of like a courageous open heart and the wisdom and vision of what you want to create um, makes things happen so shamanically speaking when you intentionally observe an equinox or a solstice or some some cycle of nature that's grander than yourself and you do a little something it doesn't have to be something big a little ritual a little practice mm -hmm. uh, maybe going somewhere where people are gathering for intention for healing um, it makes a big difference. And I've noticed that since I've been working with the cycles of nature and the medicine wheel, um, equinoxes, solstices, things like that, mm. since the early 2000s, um, every cycle, every season that I'm on the planet, um, my relationship with those things gets stronger. Mm. And I notice that if I miss it, because I'm human, mm -hmm. um, things don't work as well. I'm not mm. quite as in balance. Um, I'm not quite as clear. And uh, I don't have as much uh, vitality or strength yeah. because I'm not linking up with nature. And we're of nature. I mean, we're born of the earth. Right. So it behooves us to come back into kind of that balance between the earth and the sky and our own being. And one of the ways of doing that is through observing these kinds of times of year and then doing something intentional yeah. with your tools. And 
for me, you know, I'm speaking about shamanism here, but my toolkit, my toolbox, my practices is like most people these days, it's very diverse. It's not just exclusively shamanic. It has some Buddhism in there as mm. a lot of yogic and tantric technique, mm-hmm. um, all kinds of things. Yeah. So, um, does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it feels like every time, every time we have someone on, I'm like, all right, there's a new angle. There's a new subject <laughs> I need to start studying. That's going to be somehow beneficial. Um, so with an election coming up and a culture that seems to be media obsessed, how do you stay grounded when as a healer, you're so sensitive and open to the energy around you? Yeah, it's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> it's a big year. Yeah. There's a lot of crazy astrology happening to influence us as well. I won't mm. go into that. Um, you know, humans are innately continuously emitting emotion, thoughts, uh, vibrations, energies, or both emitting and absorbing. Mm. So, you know, uh, you want to keep good company because you become the company you keep. Sure. Um, you know, there's a precept that uh, my teacher Jose talks about. Like, if you want to become more light, you spend time in relationship with the sun. Mm. If you want to become more stable, spend some time with a mountain. Mm. Um, mm. So what you spend time with, you become like. So you want to choose that well. Um, it's a, it's a challenge because we're so, uh, technologically wired. Mm-hmm. And if you're not like that, you're missing out. You're, it's almost like you're a little ostracized from our yeah, society. For sure. Um, so I work a lot daily with protection, having good psychic hygiene, good energetic hygiene. Um, so again, I work with sage or tobacco every mm-hmm. day to cleanse my aura. One of the simplest ways that maybe the listeners can do this is, uh, working with the elements mm-hmm. so very easily like the earth water air and fire mm-hmm. um, it can be as simple as lighting some candles around your home with the intention of that just kind of cleansing the energy because uh, fire is very alchemical okay um, it can be like coming home from work and before you do anything else you don't want to for lack of a better word contaminate your your loved ones mm-hmm. if you've had a really funky day you take a quick shower with the intention. It's the intention that right, adds sure. things. Uh, intention with the quality or the spirit of water to, to cleanse your aura, mm-hmm. cleanse your being. And uh, a little bit goes a long way. Um, one of the things that I'm working on right now is an article called Technology as an Ally. Because um, mm. it is. It's an ally, just like money, just like power. It's like what we do with it that makes all the difference. Yeah. Same thing with our government. So mm-hmm. um, allowing technology to be like... Uh, something like tobacco or something, some kind of plant medicine or uh, some kind of technique. You want to be intentional in your relationship with it. You want to let it know from kind of a deeper place, if possible, what you want it to do instead of it running you. Right. Because tobacco will kill people because people aren't using it correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, It just gets its instructions, not from an intentional conscious place, but from a subconscious traumatic maybe, or there's greed or self-destruction. So it's the same thing with uh, technology. Um, and, you know, we're always absorbing and emitting. So we just want to utilize it you know, in a way that allows us to broadcast our soul, um, to share some wisdom and some compassion and some tolerance. Um, and also, I just don't tune in as much. Yeah. It's just, that's just healthy for me. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of insidiousness there. Sure. There's a lot of um, agendas within agendas. Mm-hmm. So... You know, you, you start to lose kind of connection to your discernment, to your own personal experience, your own personal connection. 
um, you're not going to be a benefit to yourself or anybody. Absolutely. So, so a lot of it is just, you know, if you don't brush your teeth every day, there's a repercussion from that. And right. over time, people don't want to be around you or mm-hmm. you have, mm-hmm. you know, you lose your teeth. Yeah. And my dad yeah. had that happen yeah. to him. Uh, same thing energetically. If you don't cleanse yourself every day, mentally, emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. energetically, um, it starts to create a residue that gets heavy and heavy and heavy. And then, and then you're anxious all the time. Mm. Um, for no reason, you don't know why, or mm-hmm. you're depressed. You just feel pressed upon by mm-hmm. life, by all the worries of the world and what you can or can't do in the face of that as a small little human. Right. So a lot of it's just kind of going back within, cleansing all that crap out and allowing that connection to yourself to get stronger and stronger in amplitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that shifts the world. And it's so cliche, but it's the only way I know to be of service, yeah. you know, step by step. Yeah. Um, how are you able to work with spirit and entities and be so open to this realm without having any fear of what, you know, darkness may be there? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something that I'm sure a lot of listeners may have had some experience Mm -hmm. with. Some people are just more naturally, um, sensitive and some people not so much just the way they're wired. You know, my wife last week is very sensitive. Um, and I'm sensitive in a different kind of way, Mm -hmm. but, um, Tammy it takes practice. Really <laughs> yeah, it takes practice. I mean, when I started doing some intuitive training and I started seeing things, yeah. I it was quite edgy, mm-hmm. yeah, and strange, and like it brought up a lot of thoughts. And uh, so, you know, I've learned from my teachers who are really great um, how to call the shots, so to speak, not right. from an arrogant place, but there's certain Just kind a place of, of authority. Yeah, like a place of seniority, place of owning your own own space, Mm -hmm. um, still with respect, still with reverence, uh, sometimes with reciprocity, some exchange, but, um, yeah, I have a protocol basically when I work with somebody, um, and I don't see a lot of entities around all the time. It's, you know, um, what do you see? How would you describe that? Well, I'm kind of, um, I have a lot, a really deep sense of inner knowingness. I also see patterns, energy patterns, colors, things like that. When I choose to, like, it's not like I'm walking around all the time seeing well, stuff. It's distracting. Exhausted. Yeah. It's exhausting. <laughs> so that's a way that I protect myself from yeah. being that open. Some people aren't and they have multiple personality disorders mm. or schizophrenia or they're mm. in um, institutions because mm-hmm. they don't know how to manage that. Right. Um, but yeah, I have a protocol where basically if, if there's something around or something that feels a little off, you know, I just like out loud, I'm like, Hey, I sense you. I don't know mm-hmm. what your agenda is. Um, what is your agenda? Are you here for the highest good? Right. Um, if not, then be gone. You know? This is to an entity or something. Yeah, know? just something okay. that's, you know, an entity, an energy, mm-hmm. sense of something in your space. And when you say be gone, do you feel like it obeys? Uh, these days, but yeah. I have like almost two decades of, yeah. you know, experience right. in these realms. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of work with uh, just building my protection, my resiliency, my immunity to mm-hmm. these things. So I'm not quite so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, you know, yeah. a little is bit strange. Is it visually different than what reality looks like? And it's really an obvious difference. And you know that this is something that's a vision and not a... For me, especially if it's something that doesn't feel quite so good. And, and normally, like, these energies... Um, entities whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. and you can call them different things archetypes whatever um uh, if it's something that doesn't feel so good my my instinctive center 
will kind of trigger. So like my first chakra will get a little wobbly. I'll feel a little trepidatious mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. some reason. That's just like, mm, mm -hmm. why I don't feel quite yeah. settled here. I might not. And sometimes even unsafe. Okay. If mm -hmm. I go someplace strange, uh, it doesn't happen too much anymore, but, um, that is kind of how it shows up for me, you know? And then, you know, I might hear something weird or, um, all of a sudden like some really aggressive, like heavy metal music comes on. Mm -hmm. That's just like jarring or somebody comes up like uh, somebody who maybe who's homeless and is kind of in my space. Mm -hmm. um, there's all kinds of ways that spirit talks. Okay. Um, you know, it can be visual auditorial. It could be the signs and symbols around you and just learning how to read all of that takes time. Like learning mm -hmm. to, you know, read Russian. So, um, so that's kind of how it shows up for me. I just kind of get a, a sense of something. Sometimes I can hear things. Sometimes I can see something. And then instead of being afraid of it, mm -hmm. instead of like running away from it, instead of being paralyzed by it, I just face it, you know, just face it. And I just ask, um, well, do you have an agenda? You know, mm -hmm. and uh, very often it, it'll just move on. Mm -hmm. um, but in the beginning it didn't. You know, sometimes it didn't and I would just be like, okay, and I, I'd have to use my tools. I'd have to grab some tobacco, which is really good for protection mm -hmm. and pray some songs into the tobacco and just kind of clean the space out. Mm -hmm. um, so it just depends on how well adept an individual is at um, being empowered, owning okay. their space. And a yeah. lot of people aren't. So, you know, I learned this a long time ago. If you are not say like 60% of the time you are owning your power and have good boundaries. It means 40% of the time something outside of yourself is going to be influencing you mm -hmm. because you're not, you basically have like a, a vacancy sign up. Right. It's like, well, rent, rent and board available. Yeah. A lot of people who are traumatized have that. There's some mm -hmm. soul loss. There's some PTSD. Something happens to them where a part of their personality, their psyche, their soul, you could say shamanically, fractures and mm -hmm. wants to go somewhere else to get away from that mm -hmm. and doesn't come back because in our society we don't really have healing around how mm -hmm. to integrate that back in and so then mm -hmm. they're searching for it and they might mm -hmm. search for it through heroin or right. all kinds of things mm -hmm. that then doesn't help right just doing anything that takes us out of our bodies like um numbing disassociating alcohol can so much uh -huh. take us out of our body and i feel like it really puts up that vacancy sign as well um i feel like for me being when I was a kid, I could, I would see the flashing lights and I would hear things and see things. And then, and it was something I was open to because I was a kid and it mm -hmm. was almost like, I didn't know if I was imagining it, but it didn't feel fearful until I got a little bit older. Then it started to feel fearful mostly because I feel like religion gives us, um, even if we're not religious, we're surrounded by it, um, to an extent. And I feel like maybe we're taught that that's something you don't want to mess with. It's like a realm that you, um, I think also because when we're kids, maybe the Ouija board is like <laughs> a popular thing to like, um, just play with and be taken lightly. And, um, I feel like if you, like you said, aren't being intentional, especially, and you can open yourselves up to that, it can become like a really scary thing. But if you're intentional and you're fine tuning it, um, then it can be something that is used for our benefit and for the benefit of others. But there is this, like, um, I feel like a fearful sense that we get of, like, um, not wanting to open ourselves up to the spiritual realm because there's sure. darkness there. So well, I think it's a combination of two things. Uh, one is, like, it's, and that's why the, 
the goddess traditions, the feminine has been so, you know, stamped out on the planet because mm. it's pure creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of power there. A lot of uh, uh, patriarchal tribes are terrified of that. Mm, you know, they sure. want things to be cut and clear, very linear, very black and white. Black and white. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there is that component of just opening up to the mystery, but that's who we are innately. So mm-hmm. that, you know, especially through religion has been programmed into us to be fearful of that. There are some things there to be fearful of, but not if you are raised in a culture where you understand all of that as just part of being a human, yeah. as part of our innate ability. So a lot of it is, um, a lot of that fear comes in of just religion programming people so that um, so that you don't have your own access to spirit. You know, you need an intermediary. You need a religious structure. You need a pope. You need mm. a priest. You need a, a person to tell you what to believe in. Mm. And so it's kind of a power play. You know, that yeah. was designed a long, long time ago to keep us separate right. um, from just the totality. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination. It's a complex subject. You yeah, know. it is. But yeah, there's, you know, there's, <clears throat> I, I used to think all these things were archetypical mm-hmm. and then I've been in, I've had some experiences where it was like, oh, so the, there, there is some, you know, there's energies, there's entities, there's, yeah. there's things. Um, so yeah, there's things out there. And I feel like once, um. Once you open yourself up to everything that you're saying, it removes that fear. And I know for me, once Mm -hmm. the fear was removed, um, it was almost like I stopped attracting the type of energy that was causing me to feel the fear. Mm -hmm. Um, Before, when I was um, first experiencing it, right around the first time I talked to you about it, it was a very aggressive, fearful feeling, and it was all the time. Mm -hmm. And then once I learned through BPI and um, just um, hearing you speak on it, it kind of went away. Um, so, uh, I know Paul Selig talks about like what you fear, right. you like call in, mm-hmm. you know? So. Yeah. And when you put, when you finally put a light on fear, you mm-hmm. know, shine a light on it, it disappears. Yeah. There's usually not much there. Right. It's right. just a bunch of shadows. You made up. Yeah. I mean, sometimes yeah. there's something there, but, <laughs> but then you can see it clearly. Right. And you're, it's not yeah. to be afraid of in the yeah. same way. Yeah. yeah. Totally. You also specialize in Kundalini awakening experiences, um, which you spoke to a little bit in the beginning. But can you explain to us what that is and maybe lead us through a mini one um, or some sort of visualization? Sure. Well, um, Kundalini is a Sanskrit term, so it's kind of from ancient India. Um, There was a lot of rishis and advanced beings back then that just had awakenings and codified and allowed there to be a more sophisticated language for just natural phenomena. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Kundalini has a lot of mysticism around it, but it can be very much demystified. It, it's mm. just kind of like when uh, a man and a woman come together and create a baby, it's yeah. like just that powerful creative force right. of all that is or spirit or whatever you want to call it that comes forth to create something out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all fueled by a Kundalini. Mm. So um, it's traditionally in, in the texts, it's uh, associated with the serpent energy, um, which has been, deified or not deified uh what's the word i'm looking for uh vilified vilified in many many religions you know (laughs) i knew what you meant yeah Yeah. um so it's this energy that usually lies dormant in the first chakra Mm -hmm. and it's always Mm -hmm. kind of awake on some level otherwise we would be dead so it's kind of operating Mm -hmm. on some unconscious level keeping all the different complex processes of our body doing what they're doing so that we have this experience of life um you know it can awaken at certain times in life. And especially, you know, sometimes uh, around 35, 40, that's kind of a, a nexus period where there can be uh, mm. 
a push, mm. so to speak. It's almost like our soul, um, if we're not kind of on the path that we kind of came here to be, mm. there can be some pressure that starts mm. to come in, that Kundalini mm. starts to uncoil, starts to awaken, um, it starts to intensify. Yeah. And gives us ample opportunity to see what we aren't, what we've been imprinted with or what we've inherited from our family yeah. or from our culture and schleff that off like the snake removing skin. Um, but a, a full-on Kundalini awakening can be quite terrifying for people. Um, it can feel like you're dying. Uh, it can feel like you're going crazy. It feels like you know, opening up all the psychic yeah. senses. It can bring a lot of uh, movements of energy in the body, a lot of temperature fluctuations. Um, it can radically dissolve what your concept of reality is in such a way that you're in that void space or in the birth canal and for most people with no utter context of what's happening nothing. that's frightening yeah. Yeah, yeah it's frightening and so again people look for ways to turn it off right and yeah. uh, there's not a lot of support out there so one yeah. of the things that i do in my work is um i help people who are going through some varying levels of that right. and it can happen in an empowered way yeah. um but there's a, an innate heat that comes from it. Uh, the yogis call it tapas. It's like this purifying mm -hmm. heat. And as that energy starts to wake up, what makes it so challenging for most people is like it starts to move up the chakra system. And a lot of people and our culture en encourages this are stuck in those lower chakras mm -hmm. about survival, money and power, sexuality. Mm -hmm. And people have problems down there. And when the sure. energy starts to hit those areas and the light starts to get shine, it starts to press out mm. those kinds of issues, mm. which can be extremely overwhelming for people. Yeah. Um, so it, it takes, um, it takes some know-how how, how so, to, yeah, you have prepare. to be ready for this. Yeah. yeah ideally, mm -hmm. you know, you can prepare your body through a strong yoga practice right. and the breath, uh, the mind, you know, just having that good cleanse, uh, having a strong toolbox, so that um, when the Kundalini awakens, which is nothing more than just your higher potential, right. um, your, your container, your body, um, you're not like a 50-watt light bulb with too much voltage going through mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Instead, you've prepared so that you can handle it mm -hmm. you yeah. know, and do something with it, mm -hmm. you know, not just lay in bed going crazy right yeah. afraid yeah. Uh, it reminds me actually my husband is the one who introduced me to yoga um originally and his mother sent us some article she came across um that was all about how people are losing their minds by doing yoga and you know mm -hmm. people are having experiences that suddenly they are you know stuck in in some sort of um almost like a schizophrenic mm -hmm. phase or something like that. And it was like this really fear mongering article and it was very frightening. And at the time, of course I was very new to any of this realm. So there was no like tools that were accessible. So I think, yeah, what you're saying is really important to have some sort of base foundation that makes mm -hmm. you go, okay, I know that some things might come up for me. And then when they do, I have some tools to, you know, reach out for so that I can navigate them <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. that could be, I mean, I could imagine that becoming really frightening, even just when you sit with your body, maybe for the first time and noticing something new, some new sensation, you're like, I never even knew that was in there. Mm -hmm. That can be frightening. Like, well, something's wrong with me. That's, I feel like, you know, we tend to go to that thought a lot 
oh, something's wrong with me, you know, no matter what new thing we experience, just because we haven't tuned into it yet. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean mm-hmm. it's something wrong, but it's definitely just something to look at and figure out yeah. how to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just a, a quick add on to that yeah. is um, yogically with Kundalini, but also shamanically or any, any practice, uh, th- there's definitely traditions that are trying to force things, trying to force the Kundalini mm. to awaken, mm. trying to power it through. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you do that, there can be repercussions. Sure. So, so, you know, it comes back to that organic approach, right. which, yeah. you know, in a culture, we're not all that um, skilled at. No. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're pushers. We're pushers. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, is there a um, sort of, you talked about um, before, like a person's personal inner cave of power and mm-hmm. like a visualization mm-hmm. um, that you feel called to um, when you lead people? Um, to find that? Is there something that maybe would be useful for those listening um, for you to lead them through? Yeah, we can do a a quick visualization. And for ourselves. I'd like us to do it along with you. Yeah, Yeah, something basic where, like, let maybe set the stage for the listeners so they're not all scared now that we just... (laughs) Well, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, so so you, ladies, and Mm -hmm. myself, and then the listeners, just find some comfort, close your eyes. And just kind of deepen your breathing a few times, kind of flooding the heart and the lungs with uh, just a lot of oxygen. And, uh, you know, this technique involves visualization. Uh, Some people might not be so good at that. That's okay. Just uh, do your best or just intend or feel into it. So you can imagine in your mind's eye, uh, like a big, tall mountain out in front of you. The top is uh, very clear. It's a cloudless day. There's a certain lucidity. There's no cities nearby. There's no pollution. It's just pure. And it looks extremely inviting, but you know to get to that point requires some sacrifice and uh, strength, resiliency, heart, courage some wisdom, some know-how of how to traverse that, that landscape. So as you approach the mountain, you just notice at the base, a cave. And uh, you start to get a little closer, kind of coming out of the forest, the base of the mountain, noticing the cave. As you start to get closer to that opening, um, just feel, feel with your body you breathe, kind of a, a sense of uh, maybe holiness, reverence, power, maybe a vibration, I'm just kind of continuing to walk towards the cave, but only as close as feels comfortable. We're not going to go into the cave. The closest I'd like you to get is just right to the outside of the cave. Allow yourself to sit there as you uh, just feel into it, contemplate that void, that kind of obsidian uh, color there, blackness. So this cave is uh, symbolic of your first chakra, where the kundalini energy is lying usually for most folks in a dormant state. 
And it's not something that can be seen or even uh, contemplated all that well with the mind. It's something that can be owned and felt. So as you breathe in front of that cave, just kind of sensing kind of that energy, power, creativity within, you just allow yourself to uh, speak to your inner kundalini. Kundalini is also known as the serpent energy or uh, the goddess in many traditions. Kind of the power of Mother Earth, Pachamama, power of life. And so with some intention, maybe even through a little prayer, you can just speak for a moment or two to a deeper portion of your being. It might be something like, hello, Kundalini energy here on the earth below the sky. I'm wanting to know who I am and my potential. I know that you can guide me with your intelligence and with your love when the timing is ripe and in a balanced, organic way. So I ask you to help me to know when the time is perfect for me to go a little deeper into this cave. I mean, a little deeper into my depths. I ask you to uh, vivify my body and all my cells. I ask you to fill my heart and my mind with light and wisdom of how to navigate you. I ask you to just align with my purpose for being here. So something like that. Mentally vibrate that or the listeners at home, you can just say that out loud. Even hearing kind of that voice echoing into the, the cave, reverberating down into the depths of your being. And then just for a moment or two, just allowing yourself to receive whatever it is you receive. Maybe nothing at all. It could be something, whatever it is. Just let yourself receive from that cave what you need at this time, whatever medicine you need to be filled with. And as is always customary in shamanic practices, just some gratitude, just a thankfulness, maybe a little bow of the head, a little reverence, humble, humble uh, stance is always a good thing to do, a little offering. So that's just a little, little piece. Um, with time and with courage and with the know-how, you can traverse deeper in it's just a visualization. It's a symbol of going mm. on that hero's journey within ourselves and mm. and uh, all that we may find, the treasures yeah. and also the things that need really deep healing. This is the end of part one. Tune in next week for part two. We'll see you there. It's, it's the magic hour, Mercedes and Jay.